As far as the occipital lobe, when I read that, I said, okay, because we know that men get turned on sexually by the visual. Mm. So that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. But then it said the amygdala and hippocampus. And I was like, okay, the amygdala is where you respond emotionally. You have there a lot Mm -hmm. of reactions. Now, understand that women may be listening and screaming, well, men aren't showing emotions. They are but you may not be seeing them visually because when we put electrodes on men and women while they're Mm -hmm. having an argument, we see that men are actually having more reactions internally. Mm -hmm. So they're more sensitive. So, okay, I can go on. I can believe the amygdala. This week, Dr. Karen Sherman weighs in on a new article out that explores the difference between the brains of men and women and how we are wired differently. So stay tuned to find out how you can apply this information to your marriage. Enjoy. Hi, I'm going to keep this short. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. You should know that we have a website, hitchedmag.com, with thousands of articles, our complete podcast archive with over 500 episodes, a free weekly newsletter, and more. If you like this podcast, please leave a rating or review to help encourage others to join. And without further ado, enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. This is Steve Cooper, editor-in-chief of HitchedMag.com. I am joined once again by the lovely, the brilliant, the original Dr. Karen Sherman. Hi, Karen. How are you? Hi, Steve. I'm good, thank you. Yourself? I'm doing pretty good, thank you. Um, Karen is a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues for over 30 years. You can find more information at her website, DrKarenSherman.com. Okay, Karen. So I read an article this week. Uh, it was in Wired Magazine, Wired.com, however you want to <laughs> describe Wired. Um, the headline, which I'm just going to steal, is uh, a study finds sex differences in the brain. Does it matter? So um, that's really what I would like to discuss with you today. And so um, before we get into some of the nitty gritty of what this study looked at and what it found, uh, we talk a lot about how men and women are wired differently. Um, we know that men and women have different body parts. Uh, and, but things seem to get very tricky when talking about the brain. And this article really digs into a lot of that stuff. So as if um, different is better or worse, like that's where it can get really tricky. Um, so the first question I have for you is how can we discuss the differences in men and women uh, and specifically about their brain and the way that we are wired and the size and the amount of gray matter and all the other stuff that this article talked about without falling into a trap of better or worse? Well, I think it depends on, you know, the presentation. For me, I found this article very interesting. Um, and I will tell you that a lot of times when I'm working with couples, I will discuss um, the biological differences, especially of the brain, that I've known about. And when I bring it up, 
I don't bring it up as, you know, this is, you know, women, you've got this, which is better and men, you've got that, which is better or worse, whatever. It's a matter of, okay, so we've got these differences and these differences actually play out in certain behaviors, which helps to explain uh, why certain things are going on. Now, this is not written in stone. Uh, not every female follows this pattern or every male follows this pattern. And my finding has been that couples really found this to be very helpful um, because you're not presenting it as, well, this is better or this is worse, but it makes it like, okay, as an example, and I want to comment on one of the questions um, that you'll be bringing up later that I was a little surprised at one of the findings. But um, for instance, that – and I won't give away what you're going to say – but that (laughs) um, women's memory are better than men's. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's why they can still remember, well, you remember when you did blah, blah to me three years ago and a man looks at her and says, I don't even remember what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And so it's not that he doesn't care or that she doesn't matter, but again, it is a byproduct of the way the structure of the brain works. And so, you know, I don't think that it's a matter of better or worse. Again, it's a matter of just saying this is a biological difference and it p- will therefore play out differently in the way that uh, the behavior is is seen. Right, right. Um, and, and so this re- – so moving on. So this research found basically in general uh, that different spots of gray matter in the brain, they were able to essentially uh, – correlate that with the X not XY chromosomes in the different sexes. Um, and I want to point out that the, you know, the different sexes is not to be confused with gender. That is a completely different subject. Um, mm-hmm. and so this article, uh, I shared includes a lot of experts who express concerns that this type of revelation will only push to further highlight our differences and maybe even misogyny in some cases. Um, you know, to kind of give the listener a little bit more insight. So uh, one of the other scientists in this article talks about how um, researchers have long assumed that sex chromosomes don't have a direct effect on brain structure. And that's essentially what this research is saying it does. Um, And so previously, it has been presumed that the influence was more circuitous, so that the genes would give rise to the gonads, which would then secrete specific hormones that would then uh, influence the brain development based on those hormones. Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. talk about all the time about how the brain does this like hormone magic with mothers and fathers and all sorts of stuff. So we know that hormones play this really impactful role, but this is saying like, wait a second, um, we can look at the XY chromosome and then predict uh, you know, some of the, the, the size and shape of the gray matter, um, in the brain. And then, uh, not to get too far into the weeds here, but the researchers then also go on to explain that we don't know (laughs) what impact that actually has, like what the gray matter impact actually is in all of this, just that it exists. Um, so anyways, uh, okay. So go ahead. (laughs) The first thing you said in your first sentence was, that it's correlated. Right. Okay. And as we've discussed in so many podcasts, a correlation 
just says that as one thing is doing something, we know that another thing is doing something. It does not mean cause. Right. So we don't know that just because there's more gray matter in a certain area, if that is causing something to happen. And even in the article, they also said that because there was more gray matter, we don't really know that having more gray matter or more neurons in that area is what's really causing a certain behavior. Um, so, you know, I think that this is almost, I want to say like preliminary mm -hmm. because we, it's an interesting finding, but we don't really know the meaning of it. Right. Um, and so I'm not particularly concerned. I certainly, for me, I don't think that it necessarily leads us to misogyny um, because the some of the facts that I know about the differences in the brain, which have more to do with the structure of the brain, mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily the hormones, um, I could make a case for except, you know, I don't want to con contradict myself about better or worse, but I could make a case for that there's certain advantages um, to the female brain. So I, I don't have a concern about this now um, making uh, an argument that's going to end up putting women in a bad light. Right. Well, it's interesting, too, because um, at the end of the article, one of the people who was interviewed for it talks about how let me step back. One of the interesting things is that nobody seemed to dispute the findings of this correlation. Mm -hmm. Like they're all, mm -hmm. we're like, oh yeah, we, we can see what you found too. We just don't know what it means to the point that you were just exactly. making. And exactly. at the end, one of the, um, one of the people interviewed said, uh, you know, these differences, um, we don't take into account the environmental factors and mm -hmm. we don't know, like one of the magical things of the brain is that men and women going back to the not ones better or worse, but like they come to the same point, um, even though they might be structured differently. And it's like how they come to that different point, which is like the really interesting thing. So, um, yeah, there's, I, I'm with you that I find it fascinating without drawing any real big conclusions about what we're supposed to take from it. Um, and I think it's important to recognize the concerns uh, without that hindering progress, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So then the, the article does, as we're, as we were just discussing, goes into a lot about biases, um, specifically mm -hmm. when connecting the differences to medical conditions. So um, like autism or something along those lines. Um, it also talks about confirmation bias. And so they talk about publishing things when they only confirm an example that you have of something. So mm -hmm. they're like, you know, we don't publish studies when we say like, oh, look, men and women's brains are the same, uh, which is like, okay, I get that. So what should we look for when considering these biases and how should, how interested should we be about these findings, knowing that there are so many caveats surrounding it? Well, I think any time we read something, um, it's very quick to say, oh, you know, look at this finding, whether it be about this or whether it be something in politics or whether it be about something in education or whatever. And I think it's always good to be a little bit skeptical. And um, 
not to just trust it because it's been printed. Number one, because first of all, um, we know stats can be played around with the way you present it, the kind of statistics you use, etc. cetera. Um, but this is just helping us understand that there's even uh, some bias by the fact that only certain types of research are getting uh, put out because those are the ones that are more interesting and fascinating. Uh, it's almost like certain news stories get put right. out because they are the ones that you know are going to sell the newspapers. So I think it's an important point that we read it. But again, as I said, be a little skeptical. Don't just jump on the bandwagon and say, "Oh, absolutely, this is you know gospel and this is what is true." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's funny. I, I have these arguments with uh, friends about. Uh, newsworthiness of things. And one of the things I'd like to point out is new is in the, is in the name. Like Mm -hmm. literally it's in the name. So if it's not new, if it's not new information, then you don't really publish it. (laughs) There's nothing there. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so that's, I mean, I feel the same way about this. Um, okay. So the next thing I, uh, Please bear with me if I just completely butcher some of these names, Uh, (laughs) but I'm going to give this a shot. So hang with me here. So I'm going to get into what they found. And so I'm quoting here from the article, a relative size advantage for men and parts of the occipital lobe, which is associated with vision and the amygdala and hippocampus regions that play an important role with emotion and memory. Whereas in women, they found on the other hand, had more gray area matter in parts of the prefrontal cortex, which is associated with decision-making and self-control and the insula, which has been connected with numerous functions, including emotion and sense of taste. So these results might seem to suggest that women have an edge over men in decision-making and that men have better memories, but it's impossible to extrapolate such broad conclusions from the results. Uh, it could be that there's absolutely no behavioral relevance for what we're finding. <laughs> I'm guessing that this is where you were talking about before. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, by, and by I just way, want- you did a nice job with all those words. And I like how you got around not pronouncing the author's difficult name. You just left it. <laughs> Thank you. I, 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 so I'll give, try to give credit here. Roz Nahans. That's Raznahan. what I would have said also. Right. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. All right. So I was really surprised that, okay, let, let me start with each one. As okay. far as the occipital lobe, when I read that, I said, okay, because we know that men get turned on sexually by the visual. Mm. So that made sense to me. Mm-hmm. But then it said the amygdala and hippocampus. And I was like, okay, the amygdala is where you respond emotionally. You have there a lot mm-hmm. of reactions. Now, understand that women may be listening and screaming, well, men aren't showing emotions. They are, but you may not be seeing them visually because when we put electrodes on men and women while they're Mm -hmm. having an argument, we see that men are actually having more reactions internally. Mm-hmm. So they're more sensitive. So, okay, I can go on. I can believe the amygdala. I was going to say, because we have talked a lot about how men are technically, or technically, that men are more emotional than women. It's just the way more that- sensitive. More, more sensitive. More sensitive. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a lot about that, actually. Yes. Okay. But have better memory? 
I, that one I am shocked at because what I've always learned is that women, the hippocampus is the part of the brain that's responsible for memory, Mm -hmm. that women have more blood flow going into the hippocampus. And that's why their memory is better. And as I was saying earlier in the podcast, that women will remember things from the year of the flood and a man mm-hmm. look at her like she's got three heads. He has no idea what she's making reference to. Mm-hmm. So I was really surprised by reading that. So the other thing about that, um, that uh, I'm trying to remember, I feel like I read this in a book some time ago about women and brain development and different things. And it was like women were the hunter gather. They were the gatherers. And so they had to like remember where things were and like what was good and what was bad. And like, I can't remember, but maybe I'm the men, the men, the, 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 but the women were the, but the women were the ones that like gathered the food and stuff. The men might've done the hunting, but the women were the ones that went out and did like the berries and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyways, but I may be totally off on that. But um, to your point, anecdotally, I will tell you with 100% certainty that my wife has a way better memory than I do. And she mm-hmm. constantly brings things up. And I'm like, nothing. N- nope. Just right. a blank slate over here. Right. Okay. And you are, that is generally what happens. So, I mean, I will tell you from all the work I've done for so many years that this totally like just blew me away when I read that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, are they better at decision-making? I think it depends. Now, here you have to talk about the environment. Yep. So, you know, there are ways in which men are better at making decisions because for years they were in the business world and women weren't. But women are better at decision-making at the home. So there you got to talk about environment also. Um, And sense of taste, I have nothing to say about that. I, I really don't know who's better. I've never really looked at who has better taste. Um, but anyway, here are my thoughts. Okay. I have learned, and, and now you may be seeing confirmation bias. Okay. <laughs> okay. I have learned that there were very definite differences in the brains of men and women that to me made a lot of sense in what I actually saw in the way men and women behaved. And as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I was able to then offer that to my couples and it made them feel better Mm -hmm. because it was like, oh, you're not doing this to me purposely. You're doing this to me because we're just different. So they didn't make it as you're better, you're worse, I'm better, I'm worse. We're different. And that's okay. And and so now we have to learn to work around it. You know, yeah. it's almost like I know that this is a stupid analogy, but if you're on a camping trip and you forgot your knife and you're going to use your fork as a knife, okay, but you have to accept that the knife doesn't have certain properties that the, that the fork doesn't have certain properties that the knife has. Right. So once you accept that, then you adjust. So... Um, and it accomplishes the same job. That's correct. Right. That's correct. Yeah. So, I, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. Oh. So, you know, I, you know, I think that this uh, researcher 
found some very interesting things. But as he even said in the article, we don't know if it really matters. We know that there's more gray matter, but but does it really matter? Right. Uh, I think it's another piece of the puzzle, but where it fits in is uncertain at this point. Yeah. And I think, as you pointed out, when you're able to recognize that there are differences uh, and you highlight those to help explain some of the things that are going on between a couple mm-hmm. uh, to bring mm-hmm. it back to our audience specifically, uh, it, it's validating. Um, and I love the example that you use. And I was even thinking of um, almost like drug addiction when people realize that um, at a certain point, it's not really like a choice that they want to be on drugs. There's, mm-hmm. there's a problem the going on in their brain and the chemistry of their brain that's that's pushing them in that direction. So mm-hmm. when you start to accept that that is the reality, then you can start actually dealing with the problem at hand or solution at hand. I don't you know I try to stay positive here. Um, you know the other thing that I was thinking, and it's been brought up a couple times, is the environmental factor, and that was brought up in the article as well about well. This may all be true, but then we know that the environment changes the chemistry that goes on in the brain. And how does yes. that influence? Th- and, and one of the things we know about the brain is how flexible and malleable it is over the days, years, and decades. We used to think it stopped forming, but now we know it's super pliable and is constantly changing. Yes. Um, and so when you're talking about like memory, for example, uh, it, my brain, the first place that it went to, because I use this as like a joke, um, but kind of not really because it also kind of scares me, which is like I played football all the way up into college and mm-hmm. I worry like, oh, shit, maybe um, I have I don't think I do. I, I I really knock on wood. I use this as a joke. But like what if CTE plays a role in my memory? That is like a 100 percent environmental factor. And it affects the hardening of the gray matter, which is exactly what we're talking about in this instance. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. See, now I was going to say, now that explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, between that and my wrestling career, I, you know, I like, I do, I take, I, I don't really worry about it, but I do think about it like, oh, the, all these choices that you make throughout your entire life. And and in the opposite direction, you know, I, I look at the environment that I grew up in and the diets that my family had and, and the exercise regime of the people around me. And I think like, oh, I can do, do things differently today than what they were doing at the same age, uh, Mm -hmm. to impact my future. So I I look at it both ways. Um, So just throwing that out there, trying to (laughs) spin it in a positive direction again. Um, Okay, so again, I just want to reiterate, nobody really seemed to dispute the actual difference in the anatomy that they found with based on the different chromosome makeup of the brains that they were looking at. Um, They did obviously kind of discuss how it should be interpreted and what it means. Um, And so... We want to talk about like how it might lead down a path of progress instead of pigeonhole, pigeonholing this stuff. Uh, what do you What are your thoughts on like how we can use this for good, and not evil? Well, i I think pretty much what I said before that if you help people understand, and I love your drug addict an- analogy, if you help people understand that there are certain things that are um, being brought on because of biological differences or because of the brain, 
um, there's no guilt involved, there's no blaming involved, and it allows them to come to terms with it more easily and then learn to work around it. Um, I would presume that, you know, we make such scientific progress that at some point in the future, if we really learn exactly what the mechanisms are, we probably will be able to change it because, you know, again, as you said, we now know that the brain is um, able to make adjustments throughout life. It's not just, you know, developed and and you're done. So um, I do think that going forward, we may at some point in life, uh, maybe not in my lifetime, but have the ability to really um, go in and, and change Uh, certain issues that are going on in the brain so that the consequential behavior is, you know, uh, much to the betterment. One of the things that um, came out in the article that they were making reference to was that um, they think that there's a different chromosome kind of um, layout, I guess, for people who have autism or ADHD. Mm -hmm. Right. And that was, uh, because of a personal issue, that was of interest to me. Um, And wouldn't it be great if instead of putting kids who have ADHD on all kinds of drugs, if they would be able to do something in the future where they adjusted, um, you know, they tweaked something in the brain. As I I know years ago, a couple of us as therapists were saying, eventually therapy is going to look like you come into the therapist's office and they take out the little toolkit and they just, you know, and (laughs) readjust your brain. Okay, you're done. (laughs) So, um, I, I, I think all this research is extremely helpful and will have, um, give us a lot of benefit going, going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, you're the pro on this one. I have nothing to add, so I will leave it there unless you had anything else that you wanted to wrap this episode up with. No, I think, uh, I think we talked a lot about it. Um, it does bother me that this thing about the hippocampus that they found and we'll keep an eye on that one. (laughs) Okay. If I can remember. (laughs) I'll remind you. (laughs) Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Okay. Um, Before we go, I want to remind everyone that you have been listening to Dr. Karen Sherman, a practicing psychologist in relationship and lifestyle issues. Karen is the author of Mindfulness and the Art of Choice, Transform Your Life. She is the co-author of Marriage Magic, Find It, Keep It, and Make It Last. You can get this information and more at her website, drkarensherman.com. You can find all this information on our website, hitchedmag.com. And I also would like to recommend uh, subscribing to our newsletter if you haven't already. You can uh, go to hitchedmag.com, click on the newsletter link, and it takes about 30 seconds to sign up. And it'll keep you up to date on all the latest articles that we have. Uh, the latest podcast episode and more. So check that out if you would. Okay, that's going to do it for us this week. Until next time, take care, everybody.